What's up, everyone? It's your boy Marco Rojas here at another episode of Aquí Estamos. If you haven't had time to follow us on YouTube or on Instagram, on social media platforms, just follow us at Aquí Estamos Podcast. And also follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts where you can find previous episodes that we have had. And uh, yeah, man, let's get this episode going. So yeah, man, what's up, mi gente? I hope everyone is doing well. I haven't had a chance to really say Happy New Year's, Happy 2021 to all, uh, everyone that's listening, to the familia, to the amigos and amigas, you know, I want to make sure that I let everyone know that um, it's been a blessing to just be part of this community that I've been part of for so long and just wishing everyone a happy 2021. Um, you know, it's been pretty hectic these last few months, but I know that in these episodes and what we're going to talk about is going to be key in trying to make our comunidades even better, right? So uh, I want to give a shout out to just everyone that has been pushing hard and trying to do their best to make sure that their voices are being heard in la comunidades, politically, socially, and even in education as well. And y'all know that I'm a teacher, so I know that it's been hectic for me, build curriculum, not only that, but also be part of a comunidad too, that we're trying to push a new curriculum for ethnic studies, because we see ethnic studies now as a valuable course that needs to be taught throughout, you know, all four years. So uh, just hoping for the support for the comunidad that we get, that we can get the get everyone on board and trying to push ethnic studies to be uh, a vital class in high school requirements, you know? So I just want to use this episode to just first off, you know, I know we're in 2020, uh, 2021, but 2020, I know we faced a lot of hardship, especially in the Latino communities. And so, um, just, I want to give a, a sh- um, just some commemoration of all the art and, just love and support to everyone that has lost a loved one uh, during these times of COVID-19 and and not just COVID-19, but anybody's lost loved ones regarding, you know, health or just unfortunately their time has, you know, has come to an end here on earth. But I want to show my love and support in this moment. Uh, also, I really want to just talk about a little bit about those Latino leaders, Latinx leaders that we lost in 2020. The father of Chicano literature, Rodolfo Anaya, who was the author of Bless Me Ultima and other inspirational Chicano books that really awarded him so many um, accolades, you know, throughout his life. Even in 2016, President Obama gave him a medal of the National Humanities the human uh, the national humanities medal and all that so you know we lost him at you know early on in 2020 and you know i want to make sure we talk about his legacy a little bit and just show that you know even his books has inspired me to read more regarding my cultura and the literature that goes behind it you know and we also want to talk i wanted to talk about naya rivera the 33 year old actress that was you know that lost her life as well 
Um, she was a huge advocate for the LGBTQ community, and she had earned so many uh, awards, especially in American Latino uh, Media Arts Awards, just for not only her acting, but her singing. She was Afro-Latina, but she was a huge representation and advocate for uh, not only LGBTQ rights, but immigrant rights, women rights, and she became a representation through her through her art and we have to understand art is a huge thing when we talk about representation of our own culture because our art is so beautiful and sometimes it's never uh, displayed to its full capabilities. We lost a lot of leaders and a lot of Latinos and Latinx folks that really represented our cultura to the fullest. You know, we have the stories of Vanessa Guillen when, she, you know, throughout the news, a 20 year old army veteran or army veteran soldier and, you know, a daughter of Immigrantes Mexicanas going missing in Fort Hood, Texas, and literally went months missing until they found her bodies and lost and she lost her life to a fellow uh, a fellow soldier and an, an accomplice with him. So it was one of those things like where was the protection on that? You know, and it's such a sad story. And if you haven't had really that much time, I really recommend just there's a lot of documentary, not documentary, but a lot of news stories that, you know, talked about her her story about how she got she went missing you know so we just you know want to use the this time to also commemorate her her impact and her service as well because we are our gente has always served in the military which i've also talked about in previous episodes you know and another chicano activist but also a scholar juan gomez quinones he died also this year at age 80 but he was a chicano studies scholar from boyle heights and he mentored, challenged, and inspired so many throughout this year that those that are still to this day, you know, making an impact not only in the Chicanos and the Chicano comunidades, but also Latinos as a whole. But there's just so many, you know, 2020 is one of those years that we're going to look, reflect, and think about how many we have lost. And whether it was regarding those that have been actors or actresses to those that have made music to creating literature books and mentoring a new wave generation of of scholars that are pushing forward and just really focusing and investing in their education you know so my heart goes out to all those that lost their loved ones to even the latinx leaders this past year but if we really have to think about like even for myself you know creating this podcast i wouldn't be here to this day without the work that these individuals created because it has motivated me to not only focus on pushing a new wave of, of scholars and educate, educated kids into college and into the workforce, but also for myself to take risk and create my own uh, art and my own passions and move forward with that. You know, So I'm thankful and I have to use 2021 to improve not only my comunidades, but hopefully to those that are listening to me as well. Man, but 2021, man, has come up with some crazy, I ain't afraid to say it's some shit that has been going on recently. You know, January was one of those months where we had to reflect and think, yo, where are we as a nation? You know, because going back to January 6th, um, 
I know talking about the Capitol right seems like it's so long ago, but yet it's so relevant even to today. Like I'm recording this and this is February 2nd and yet we're still feeling the aftermath of this Capitol riot that had taken place. And for me, this is something that I know will go down in history as one of those treason moments of of not only President Trump's is administration but all those that had lied allied with them you know for the longest i've been saying had it been black and brown bodies that participated in this movement i'm telling you there'd be more deaths than just five deaths i really do believe so um i believe to this day that there's still some racial tension that nobody wants to talk about they think that you know where you know whether those that align themselves more conservative will say that the race card is being overused and we hear it a lot from individuals that participate in in political dialogues to news tv anchor hosts etc however this race card or this ethnic background card whatever people want to call it it is something that we need to really think about i want to dive deep on this because if we don't talk about this we could see this continuing moving forward Right. And for me, when I say more deaths would have happened with black and brown bodies, I really do believe so, because I really feel that when you get a coalition of folks that are minorities, that for the longest, if you look in news, the media, how they talk about black and brown folks, you know, for so many years, tying them to crime, to drugs, to gangs. And then when you put them trying to politically be active and make change because of oppression, I know that some folks would have responded differently. How would they have targeted these black and brown folks? Right. And I know when when we're looking back at this 10, 15 years down the road, we're going to be thinking, you know, how did we get there? But for the longest we've been here. And it's been like this since day one. So when I think back and I reflect about January 6th, we have to really think about, okay, what transpired? Trump's rhetoric. What did he say? He wanted to make sure to push forward and have folks. We're not going to stop. We're going to stop this election. This was a fraud. Hypes up the folks. Hypes up the white allied supporters. Extremists. Rioters. You know, all these names can coexist with them. But how? We need to talk about the reality of the situation when we think about individuals who participate in this action. You know, there was a lot of individuals that were able to not be apprehended and not get in trouble for this. But yet when we're talking about a movement in the summer of the BLM movements, we're talking about folks that have been arrested, have been, you know, deemed as uh, just basically deemed as a threat to society. But then when we see our, you know, when we see what transpired in January 6th, there is just no way black and brown folks would have gotten that same treatment. And you can agree or disagree with me. That's fine. I don't mind that. But when you really put the facts together, you will see what really transpired between the rioters and the the folks that participated in that treason on January 6th to those that were in the summer during the Black Lives Matter movement who are fighting for equal change.
lastly, I just want to talk about COVID-19 and where we're at right now to those folks that are living in San Joaquin Valley, all the way down to California, throughout the United States. You know, our numbers aren't great. Deaths are high, but nuestros Latinos were still affected at higher rates than any other ethnic group, right? But we need to really talk about, all right, with Biden's uh, task and Biden's administration trying to move forward, we need to see what's going on regarding vaccinations and how it's plagued us basically so, uh, so far. According to a news article I was just reading the other day, the U.S. News, racial disparities seen in the United States vaccination drive. This was according to U.S. News, right? Uh, a few things that stood out to me that I wanted to share. Number one, Hispanic people also lag behind vaccinations. President Joe Biden is trying to bring more equity to the vaccine rollout. Biden's administration is encouraging states to map and target vulnerable neighborhoods using such tools as the CDC Social Vulnerability Index, which incorporates data on race, poverty, crowding, housing, and other factors. So right now, what it was basically saying, it just had me thinking, right? Like, once again, Nuestra Gente is always in the back burner. We're first on to we're, we're the first ones to be called in to do these jobs that nobody wants to do. And the fact that, you know, not only are we the lar larger t uh, target with individuals of COVID positive testing, um, we also are seeing that now they might, we might be the highest ethnic group with COVID positive tests, but we also aren't getting the vaccinations needed to protect us from this deadly virus. You know, we're having a lot of folks que se estamos muriendo, you know, in these times, and yet these vaccinations aren't even provided for us, or if they are, they're not sufficient enough to take care of us, not providing enough resources for us, you know. And and you got to think about these states. I'll give some states an example. And I did not use uh, New York or California because they didn't come up with these numbers they, they haven't came out with them yet they're they haven't disclosed them so like when i when i get those numbers man I, I can't wait to talk about them but just some states in particular maryland hispanic of any race are so hispanics in maryland are about 11 percent of the population in maryland but five percent of hispanics are getting that vaccine in philadelphia hispanics make up 15 percent of the population and only receive 4% of the vaccines. And in Chicago, Hispanics make up 29% of the population and only 17% are getting vaccinated. You know, so having dialogue with folks around the comunidad is we're asking these questions. So why are Latinos not being taken care of, right? And it's worrisome to me because it's like, what do we do moving forward? But you know, a lot of folks are, it could be a multiple things. I really do believe that, you know, the narrative regarding this deadly virus is, it hasn't been, it's still been taken lightly, even though we know it's, it's killed a lot of folks. A lot of folks don't have enough, don't feel uh, confident in the vaccine. And what I mean by confident vaccine, I'm talking about, you know, how, how can nuestra gente, Take, put something in their body and not know what it's going to do to them, right? We don't know what the effect it's going to have on our body. 
So we're misinformed. Some folks telling us, hey, if you put this, you're basically putting COVID in your body, which isn't true, actually. COVID-19, the vaccine, it's like traces of it so that it can build immunity to it and, and fight the um, basically the virus itself. It's not exactly like the flu virus, though. But what I have come to learn so far, like I'm not an expert on this, but, you know, it is not basically putting in the COVID-19 in you. Right. And so that's what I've been hearing. But if you think about just nuestras comunidades all across the United States, we have to think about what narrative are they hearing? Are they hearing that this role, this vaccine is the actual virus and and is actually scaring us to not want to take the test? That's a possibility. Right. Because we don't have the resources. Not everybody has the equitable resources to find out what exactly these uh, vaccines have in them. And so it really is going to be important to educate and share those information, you know, to the people for sure. And, you know, another article that I thought was very important was, I believe it was uh, where it said Hispanics were receiving COVID-19 vaccine at much lower rates than white Americans. And it really talked about Florida because Latinos in Florida have experienced the infections more than twice than whites. And that's what the data shows us. But yet they're being vaccinated at lower rates. So now it's really coming down to uh, Latino uh, federations and organizations to protect them. And they've been putting on pressure on the governor DeSantis, who is actually an ally to, to President Trump and really making it an effort for the governor to address the cultural barriers. Now, when I'm talking about cultural barriers, y'all, I'm talking about things that make it hard for nuestra gente to understand what they're putting in their body. It could be the language, right? M making sure the language is very clear to them. Like, hey, this is what it is and make sure to take this or this is what it's going to do. And this is helpful on this spread of the disease. So these cultural barriers that they're putting out and making it sure that making sure that the governor puts it out there like listen, this is what we need to do. This is the most important part is that these federations, these organizations are making it known that these are barriers, language is barriers and making sure that um they are accessible to the gente también, right? Making sure that they're in areas where there are higher Hispanic populations because it's tough when the resources aren't there for them, you know, and and it's the hard part, right? Because you know our gente need to have folk. Basically, we're in order to do something or take action, we have to have trust regarding these individuals. So if these organizations, these federations, don't have trust on these politicians. On what they're saying nor these organizations you know what information are they going to use or what are they going to take in basically and come up with their own ideas and basically lead to their actions moving forward because if they don't trust you know what's being put out there right now then they won't take the the precautions and vaccinations that they need to stay safe and healthy and when they go out to the to the world to go work and provide for their family, you know, it affects them because then they get sick 
and then they f- affects their family and other members get sick and then it just becomes a cycle so we have to make sure the information is valuable it's it's information that it's comprehensible para nuestra gente but also when they have the information they have the information they can move forward and make it accessible so that they can take action and the crazy thing man is that when i got covid i didn't know what to trust i didn't know what i should do moving forward so i know that i have the opportunity or when the opportunity comes because as an educator you know we're going to have the option of taking the vaccinations but what does it mean when somebody that has already gotten it like myself will the vaccinations make it even would it be effective for someone like myself so that's what's going to be key so if it, if i'm thinking these things right if i'm having these questions imagine okay nuestra gente does do they believe that is this going to be helpful moving forward you know so we have to take these things into consideration uh, my heart goes out to la familias que están afectados to everyone out there that's really listening and i pray that you know as we move forward to this next presidential administration that this administration really takes our values and our desires to move forward and put them into action roll with it and move forward right so we'll see what happens so much to talk about uh, we have a new president that doesn't mean that we still stop fighting para nuestras comunidades y'all much love Sepan, 